opportunity is everything. My name is Coach Praveen Manchabagata, and I'm joined alongside Coach Jason Chaddock. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, wherever you might be. might be listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our brand new YouTube channel. Click the subscribe button at the bottom to watch every single one of our interviews. You want to get a, want to get a nice face to, uh, to the voice? Well, check out YouTube, subscribe to our channel, and uh, enjoy all of our interviews beginning 2021 and forward, just like this one. Just like this one you're listening to right now. Can't wait to bring on our guest. But first things first, let me bring on my co-host, Coach Jason Chatta. Coach, how you doing today? Coach P, I'm great, and uh, I'm excited to be here with you for yet another episode of the 3rd and 30 podcast. Uh, we have a wonderful guest lined up for today, and you know, what better time of year, man? We got the NBA kicking in a full swing right now. We've got the NFL coming to a conclusion. Uh, we've got hockey getting up and going, getting to their, you know, drive in the season. Drive, you like how I threw drive in there just now, just to get us a little flavor for the day. Um, you know, drive is always on my mind. And, you know, it, it's good. I'm seeing, I'm seeing new interesting things on social media each day. Uh, both from from people I follow, from people that I'm seeing others retweet stuff, uh, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, seeing all sorts of new things out there, and just seeing the way the world's revolving and mm-hmm. everything going on in society. You know, we as a society get more educated, and and we're here for that on this show is to get more educated. And I am confident that education will continue to increase today as we have have our next guest on. Um, you know, I'm really really blessed to be here with you, my man. Every, every day we get uh, together is another wonderful experience, and I'm ready to get this thing going. You know, I think it's getting to a little bit of a trend here that every single show brings something new to the table, and every single show kind of teaches us something new um, and kind of opens our eyes in a different way, and that's no different with our guest this time around. So uh, we're really excited to bring on this guy. You know what? Coach, it's been a while since we talked some ball, so I think this guest is perfect for what we – have uh, I've kind of labeled ourselves as kind of a football podcast, but you know we're also a leadership podcast, we're a motivational podcast, we're a coaching podcast. But there's nothing wrong with talking some football here and there. So let's waste no more time and bring on our next guest, which is Coach Nick Davis from Rose Holman Institute. <laughs> Joining us now on the 3rd and 30 podcast, we are happy to welcome Coach Nick Davis, Assistant Head Coach and Defensive Coordinator at Rose Holman Institute of Technology, the Fighting Engineers. Coach Davis, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I love talking football, so I'm excited to talk to you guys today. Heck yeah, football is uh, football is life around here, so happy to have you. Let's dive right in, Coach, and we always like to start off with our guests and kind of talk about your background and your journey, you know, where you come from and how you ended up um, over at uh, Rose Holman. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us you know, a little bit about yourself and your journey through life and how you ended up where you are now coaching college football. Yeah, so uh, I started off, I wanted to play college football, Um, I wanted to go look at all the schools in the country that had winning records. Really, I looked at every school in the Midwest that had a winning record because I knew I didn't want to go play four years and go to a place that lost. Um, Like winning was important. I've never had a losing season. We'll cross our fingers um, with our shortened COVID season of seven games we're getting ready to have. But uh, whether I was a coach or a player, so that's always been something that that's been important to me is if you're going to pour all this time into it, I want to be successful. Obviously it takes everyone to do that. Um, so I, I looked at all the schools in, in the Midwest, Monmouth college, a little division three school in Illinois was a good fit for me. I went there, um, D end on day one, thought I was this great five technique, never played anything other than the C gap or the D gap. And then on uh, day four, we didn't have a three technique, and then they scrapped the whole four-three defense, went to a three-four defense. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm ripping it at the B gap and the A gap and a bunch of stuff. But uh, I think that was pretty cool because that helped me create my philosophy um, of my coaching because over the next four years, we were able to put in multiple fronts. We got into four down looks out of, you know, whether it was four or three defense alignment personnel 
And I saw how it affected teams. And, and we were doing that in 2006, seven and eight, I think before a lot of smaller colleges were doing those sort of things. So um, I then uh, graduated a lot of kids. I was a physical education major. So a lot of kids um, went on to be teachers. I had a bad experience with a practicum where the kids like were just walking around the gym and the gym teacher didn't care. Um, so not that it's a bad thing on the profession because I'm sure if I would have went to a different school, I would have a different experience, but I was like, I don't know. Like I, I really had a great experience coaching college. I'm going to try this. Um, so I did an internship at Western Illinois with strength conditioning. I did one with university of Michigan with her strength and conditioning. Um, that parlayed to being a graduate assistant at an NAIA school out in Kansas, Ottawa university. I was there for uh, two years. I was this D line guy. I thought I was going to be the best D line coach in the country the D coordinator said, you're going to coach corners with me. Uh, I'm the safeties coach. Uh, you know, D line, I'm going to teach you the secondary. The next year he, he let me coach the linebackers kind of by myself. And after two years of being a graduate assistant at a small sc- college, like I had had a whole picture of the defense. Um, so I then uh, getting ready to graduate, went on, uh, interviewed at different places. Rose Holman had a defensive line job. I was super excited. Like I'm going to go coach D line and uh, got down. The head coach called me and said, our running backs coach left today too. And we have you and this other guy, our final two candidates. Would you be interested in, in being our running backs coach and doing some special team stuff for us? And I was like, I don't know a lot about offense. Let me think about it. Looked up on the roster. The running back was a returning all American. So I was like, I think I can coach this kid, <laughs> um, which was really cool. And I'm very thankful for Brian White who was our offensive coordinator at the time to take a chance on a guy that didn't know anything about offense. And, um, he coached our offensive line. He got me coached up on running backs. And then as a young running backs coach, he made sure I knew about offensive line play. Our wide receivers coach at the time, Chris Scheidt was a former division one coach. And I really took a lot from him because I knew nothing about really offense other than what I knew as a defensive player. So learning that whole side of the football was awesome. And I became the special teams coordinator after a year, did that for three years. Our D coordinator ended up leaving and uh, coach Sokol uh, came and talked to me Uh, being a division three staff. We we have very few full-time positions and um, came down and talked to me about what I'd want to do. And, um, he offered me the defense coordinator. So I went from being the running back special teams coordinator over to the defense side of the football. Um, and then uh, I've been that for the last five years. I coached linebackers for the first two years here. Uh, excuse me, the first three years, defensive backs for the last two. And then finally, for the first time in my history, I'm actually a D-line coach um, just because <laughs> when you have a lot of graduate assistants on your staff and new guys come in and they leave, I want to coach the spot that they feel the most comfortable or that they don't feel the most comfortable in. So um, we got a guy that's a DB and a linebacker expert. So I came in and I'm coaching our defensive line, which I'm super excited for the first time uh, in my career coaching the defensive line. And there's so much things I've learned as a coordinator that I'm like, Oh, I want to bring this to the D line that I wouldn't have um, if I would only coach D line the last uh, 11 years. It's interesting how much flexibility you've highlighted there of Hey, I, my mind was, I'm going here. I'm going to be the best D line coach in the country. And next thing you know, you're coaching running backs. That is phenomenal. And I love the flexibility because I think sometimes when we're talking to people, whether it's a football player, a football coach, or someone in the business world, sometimes they're not understanding the need for flexibility, especially when you're so new in the field, get, be, be versatile in what you can do. Now, coach, I'm an offensive person. That's kind of my forte. Uh, I have coached DBs before, so I've done that for a couple years as well. I'm curious to, to take you back to your offensive days just for a moment. Yep. We won't press the envelope too much there. <laughs> when you were the running back coach, what kind of offense was it? I'm dying to know. Yeah, so we were uh, 11 personnel. Um, I, best way to describe it would be a Penn State type spread offense where that 11 personnel tight end could be attached. He could be extended. Um, there's ways that we could put that guy as the number one receiver. If we wanted, he could be a sniffer. He could be a fullback. Um, so that, that was kind of what we were doing. And, uh, Brian White, when he was the offensive coordinator, we ran more plays in the country than any other team 
And that was when Chip Kelly was at Oregon. We were averaging, I think it was 93 plays a game or wow. something crazy like that, trying to snap it as fast as possible. Wow. Um, so that's when like tempo was like first in and we were trying to be all in. And now people are using tempo as a tool. So it's not all, all fast all the time, but, uh, that was our mindset. We wanted to snap the ball. We wanted to get into the fourth quarter and make conditioning a factor. And there was lots of games where maybe in the first half we weren't, we didn't wear a team down, but you would see in the third and the fourth quarter, the D line tapping out um, and running off the field and them sending a line change and uh, us just continue to, you know, inside zone may have not worked in the first quarter, but in the fourth quarter, a lot of times it was going for five, six yards. So it was stay the course um, and see the vision. And as a defensive minded coach, were you very cognizant to that third and fourth quarter when, when you saw the defenders getting really tired, was that just drawing your attention instantly to relay that to the other coaches? Was that, was that a big thing for you? Um, not really the, the, what I think coach white really, um, got from me was the fact that I could watch a play and kind of know where everyone on the defense ended up, all 11 guys, what, what the coverage structure was going to be if they were moving. Cause I was in the press box if they were moving um, from odd and even fronts or, you know, what, what was stunting and all that stuff. So that was something that was more natural um, to me, especially if you're coaching just the running back. Um, mm-hmm. If you're in the press box, like, Hey, he's making hidden holes, having great runs. He's making his right pass protection, all those sort of things. So I was more relied on, on game day of, what are they doing? How, how are they different? And coach white did a great job. It was in the first 10 plays in our openers. We had questions that I had questions. I had to answer. It was how do they line up to three by one? Was uh-huh. that what we expected? Like I was writing things down and then we'd communicate after those first 10 plays. And then he would kind of change his, you know, plan kind of based off of some of that information that we gathered. So that was super important. Um, and I think that was something I excelled at because I'd, played defense before i had understood it i coached the secondary i had coached the um linebackers before yeah absolutely that makes a ton of sense coach i want to i want to dive in to a really big topic um and talk COVID 19 for a minute and we obviously know through through our economy through our social interactions, through through the way that classes are even working, there's been so much so much um, alteration of what we would normally do in life. Football, as as the three of us know, because we're we're very invested into football and spend a lot of time with it. Football has been turned upside down in the last um, I'll call it almost the last year now. It's been at least ten months. I'm I'm taking a guess that for you, this happened in the middle of off season workouts and recruiting season as we hit let, let's just for loose term purposes let's say sometime between probably march 10th and march 20th is when depending on what end of the country you're in everything pretty much shut down in 2020 i i would love to hear your perspective on uh how covid19 has altered uh, this particular season, you guys are about to play a spring season, as you alluded to us off air. And, and uh, you know, this sounds foolish even coming from me because we host this podcast and I talk football all the time. You're the first coach we've actually talked to that is about to do a spring season. So this is groundbreaking on the podcast here. We have actually not talked to anyone yet that did not do a fall season as planned originally. So walk us through how on earth you prepare suddenly for a spring season and what effects has this change had on coaches, players and recruiting? And then what are you most excited about jumping into this? Yeah. So I think a lot of uh, what we've done is thinking outside the box on different things. Like I think that's something I pride myself on. I went in and I had a liberal arts education. I think the biggest thing I take away from my liberal arts education is being able to think outside of the box, think about what's maybe not best for me, but what's best for the most. Um, so I, I think that's really helped us. Now we were already recruiting the whole country of phone calls. We weren't driving to California or flying to California to go to high schools and different things. So social media was huge for us for recruiting. Um, and, and, and there's things that we did with virtual visits that I'm like, you know, if I'm a kid from California, the first time I visit a school, why would I drive 30 hours to come visit a school? Like I would go to a virtual visit now. So there's things that we're going to do 
going forward, like, hey, maybe the first interaction we have with this kid should be a virtual visit, and that should drive him to campus when COVID's over and we're allowed to get safely on, on campus. So that's kind of how we handled recruiting. That's awesome. But I think we took an advantage of we have more meeting time with this kids than, than ever. So we did online, you know, Zoom stuff, um, teaching the playbook. I think our kids are more prepared for what we want to do. Some coaches I've, I've talked to said, Oh, we were really scaling back what we're doing. My install is the biggest it's ever been because I've had 10 months, <laughs> right. For the returning kids. And then for the freshmen I've had since August when they got on campus to install. Oh, wow. Now, are you getting all the reps that you would sure. um, out in the field? No, but if you can handle it from an install and you can get them mental reps and you can show them video and you can do all that stuff and they take it in, um, I've been pleasantly surprised. We've done our three installs. We installed our whole entire defense. And the MAs actually out on the field is very limited um, from what you would think if you installed 69 coverages and – 150 different movements and and 40 fronts like you would think oh crap they can't handle it because we have a practice well i think coaches are just scared i think in some aspects less practice more meeting more walkthroughs that could be better like obviously you gotta get out on the field and do the reps but um i think that's what we've we've taken it being like hey this is awesome man we just get more time to teach and at the end of the day you as a teacher so if you can't teach online man, you're in trouble. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you coach P were you about to ask something? I was just going to, I was just going to comment on that. Cause I think it's so apparent that we've seen these days of the, the either lack of knowledge of how to online teach or the lack of will to want to online teach. And, you know, I commend you guys for staying on it. Cause I've seen a lot of programs that during, during that time, no online meetings, no coaches meetings, and you saw, and then they end up playing a fall season, and you kind of see the fall on that. So, I mean, the patience it takes for you guys to wait till spring season is is amazing. And I mean, and it goes back to your flexibility. I mean, I feel like for you, it almost fits in. You know, having a time like this, it, it, I'm sure you're one of the better people to be a part of this because you know how to be flexible, think on the fly, and and on a snap, be able to think out of out of the box. Is that is that something kind of that? that you've always had or is that something you've had to like teach yourself as you've grown up? No, I mean, I think there's, you're, you're kind of setting your ways sometimes as a coach, but then you got to just reevaluate and be like, are we doing this because I've always done it? Or, you know, um, we're a program that have, has done Skelly and inside run like everyone. I'm like, at the end of the day, like, should we just play football? Should we do more group sessions? Because everyone knows Skelly's not realistic. My linebackers are going to be flying out. They're not going to get the read inside run. Everyone knows that, you know, you may put a draw or a pass or one play in there, but they're coming downhill. Well, are we teaching these kids for what it's going to be like on Friday night? Like, again, you got to limit some reps. You don't, you want to take away some hits and do different things, but man, to be good at football, I think you got to play the game. So, you know, just thinking outside the box a little bit um, in, in terms of that, I think things that that has helped and, and it's just things I've learned, um, you know, why do one-on-one pass rush rep and every D line coach in the country is probably going to kill me, but we have to as a unit. So I like five on four pass rush and you know, it doesn't have to be always stunts, but our kids have to understand how they rush as a, a four man unit if we're rushing four. Um, so I think there's tools and different things and drills you can run, but at the end of the day, let's play as much football realistic drills as possible. And uh, obviously that's limited us with, with COVID and being out on the field, but I think you can do some of that stuff virtually as well. And I think the, the key to being a great teacher online is you got to be an over personality, mm-hmm. like, because the kids are like, Oh, it's online. Like if you show up as a coach, you're like, okay, we're install one the linebacker goes, the kids are going to fall asleep. Like you got to be over the top. Like, Hey guys, this, you know, like that's what I've learned about this virtual world is you got to be crazier than what you would be in person (laughs) for the kids to, you know, be like, Oh yeah, get excited. Like I'm on my computer watching coach Davis. Like we're going to have a good time. It's true. I mean, I, I coach college. I'm sorry. I coach high school baseball as well. And we have had to do virtual workouts. So I got 40 kids on my screen and I'm, got my speaker i'm playing music they see me kind of dancing a little bit I'm, and this is stuff i would not do if i was in person so yeah i mean it's it's so true and it, you'll you have to step out of your comfort zone a little bit and that's 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 part of the game so that's that's awesome to know that i'm not the only one being crazy on, on camera <laughs> with the kids 
Coach Davis, I, I, have a, I have a comment and then a question. My, my comment is I love how you've highlighted some of the Skelly sessions because I know we, my, my wide receivers, especially the ones that play slot and hybrid positions, whenever we go inside run game, they say, they say Coach, I mean, the, the linebackers and the safeties are not taking reads at all. All they're doing is crashing down. I'm not even, I'm not even getting to explode off the line for my first three steps. Like I always would. And then come inside for my block because they're not taking their regular read steps. All they're doing is crashing down. This is pointless. Let's just go team. <laughs> and I get that from my wide receivers. All don't tell an old line coach that though. My wide receivers will come over to me after that and say, we might as well go team so we can at least get a realistic look. So I really love how you said that. Um, and then, so a question for you is this, I've noticed it. I, I have a personal philosophy of when we get on the video chats, cause we're doing meetings once a week online with the kids as well. Uh, plus I do work ones and we have, we have a, a philosophy of turn your cameras on. Don't uh, you'll get kids. We'll get on there. You'll have 40 kids on a meeting or 20 kids on a meeting. They'll all have cameras off. First thing we say is turn cameras on. Let's be present together. Can you walk me through what is your program's philosophy on that? Yeah, we want the cameras on. I think the, the weirdest thing is you do clinics. Like I've done a bunch of online clinics where people and, and everyone, Hey, turn your mic off, all that stuff. Like I kind of don't want that. Like I want someone to be able to you know, obviously I don't want them feeding their dog or their dog barking, but my dog barks all the time in the background. Like, uh, you, you got to understand we're, we're, we're people. Um, but just sitting in silence drives me crazy. Um, because even if you're in together, you know, you're going to see your kids chatter in different things and you're hoping that they're chattering about checks and stuff, but you know, and they may not always be, and you got to get in their ass a little bit, but, uh, um, no, yeah. I try to ask them as many questions like, okay, we're, we're our Panama here. Okay. The tackle, what's your, what's your thing and have them talk as much like quiz them, you know, they need to be on edge that I got to be paying attention because coach Davis is going to call on me and I, he, I got to answer the question. So they got to be kind of like, Oh, when, when's my two questions, uh, a zoom session, when's that going to be? If not, I think they, yeah, if the cameras are off, they tune you on, they go eat dinner. They, they're playing Fortnite or call of duty, whatever these kids are doing. I have some nieces, which I think me because they tell me the things that's happened at their high school and their middle schools of, yeah, you can totally tell that Cody was playing Fortnite in the background. Cause he's, you know, off screen with his hands like here. Um, so we try to eliminate that as much as possible. Luckily we're at a, an engineering school. So my kids, if they're doing something crazy, they're doing thermodynamics homework and stuff. But, um, wow. That's a little different. <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're not messing around. It's usually academic. I'm like, Hey, get off your, your calculators, not your cell phones and uh, pay attention here. This is my time. I don't have that problem. I was going to say that's like, that seems like a pretty decent problem to have compared to Fortnite and Call of Duty. <laughs> I will say we did we did a round table at our last meeting and all of my crew is on the honor roll so I'm very proud of that. Uh, so and I we went around we did GPAs and I was extremely proud of that especially because we've been and coach I don't know what you're experiencing at the college we've been um, first at to end the semester we were all at home and then for the last two weeks, we've been hybrid. So two days a week, they're in the classroom. Three days a week, they're at home. So I'm very proud of them to be maintaining honor roll status. And that was, you know, that was a lot of kids that had that going. Um, so so let's, let's flip the script a little bit. And I, I think if I'm reading everything correctly online, because I've been following you for, for a number of years online, and if I'm reading it correctly, this is kind of your own venture as we dive into you're the inventor of the spread defense and you have this Twitter account that has some phenomenal stuff. I'm an offensive guy, so I like to look at it so I can <laughs> see what you're scheming against us. Uh, it's a great learning opportunity for all coaches. And um, you're in the inventor of the spread defense. I really want to know how did this come about? Kind of walk us through what it is. And then what, you know, you talked a little bit in the beginning, what sparks uh, your drive to be a defensive coach? Yeah. So um, first thing when I took over, like, again, I was a running back and I had a special teams coordinator. So I needed some sort of buy-in to the kids. Like coach Sokol, you just promoted our running backs coach to be our defensive coordinator. Like, so I needed the kids to get excited. I need to buy in. And um, 
I took what we were doing on offense with that 11 personnel hybrid tight end, and I brought that over to defense, and that's our Bob linebacker. So we can put that kid on line oh. of scrimmage. Uh, we can put him at depth as a linebacker. Um, in certain years, like that kid was a really good coverage guy, so we could put him out of the box and, and do some coverage thing. So for us, that Bob is our hybrid guy that makes everything work. And we, we want to create matchups like you as an offensive coach, you want to put your best guy. If you're going to run a slot fade versus cover one, you want to put him either to the field or the boundary versus the worst coverage defender. Okay. For me, I want to eliminate that with our defensive backs as much as possible, but still you may may have a better player. You may have a better quarterback. I'll tip my cap. If we're playing man, like I got to call a different call. Um, But in the box game, what I've found is generally, and some teams do this, but your left tackle is always going to be your left tackle. Your left guard is always going to be your left. Some will do like field boundary or strength weakness. Uh, I know some high school teams that do that. Some triple option teams will do that. But generally, those guys are locked in in one spot. Well, if you play a right and left defense, I think you're wrong in some regard because you've locked your kids in to right and left or field boundary. So what we do is that Bob becomes a hybrid player. And we can use that guy to create a ton of matchups. Now he needs to be a really good football player. I say you can either highlight or hide that kid. So we can put that kid in the best spots, whether it's a five technique, a three technique, an app depth linebacker rushing the B gap, the C gap, or we could hide that kid and put him against, you know, their worst guy or their best guy uh, on a pack play. So he gets blocked. So um, we're able to move that piece around and we can create matchups with our six guys in the box. So that's what kind of the spread defense philosophy um, became. And if you look at our statistics, um, generally in a 10-game season, we'll have a kid with that leads our team with 65 tackles. Um, and then the last starter on defense has 25. So our kids are anywhere from 25 to 65 tackles. Um, we're spreading the statistics around. Um, because we are kind of a, a one gap defense, you know, we're not going to have a kid that's a middle linebacker. Where we say, Oh, D line soak up all the blocks and we're going to let this kid run. He's going to have 150 tackles. Um, our kids are all trying to do their part. Now as a coordinator, I can put the, our best guy in the best situation. So he can end up with 17 and a half sacks, lead the country in TFLs and do different things like that. So that's kind of the basic philosophy. And it's again, trying to do as much as possible. I want you in Cleveland, Ohio to be like, Oh crap. Are they playing quarters this week? Are they playing cover one, cover three, cover two? Are they three, four down? And then you're just like, man, it's too much to do everything I want to do. I want to simplify. So that's kind of the huge philosophy of what we want to do here is be multiple enough that we have enough tools in our toolbox to kind of handle as much as possible. Um, And then it's on me to make sure we're using the right tools each week. You know, coach, being the inventor of something in football, you know, can be I'm sure it draws a lot of attention. I'm curious as to what the kind of what sort of feedback you've gotten um, from this number one spread defense, you know, good and bad. What is some of the feedback from other coaches? How would how do they feel about this, um, this new style of defense? Yeah, so I think um, some people either really buy in and want to do it. There's several high school coaches in the country that have taken what I've done and they're like, you're super crazy with having 85,000 different fronts, but we're going to simplify it for, for our level. Um, and, and there are certain guys that just think, Oh, our, our kids aren't smart enough. Like you're can only do that because you got a kids with 30 ACTs and we, we teach things in buckets and, you know, whether you have a 30 ACT or a 13, I think you can learn it. I think the kids with a 30 ACT, they're going to learn it a lot faster than a kid with a 13 ACT. But if you tell a kid with a 13 ACT that he lines up outside because the word owl starts with an O and you tell him that a, an owl is a bird and birds a three down front, like it's just the, the teaching process. I think those kids are going to be able to learn that. Um, just my kid with 30 ACT may pick it up the first time. Um, a kid with a 13 ACT 2.0 that doesn't necessarily care may not get it the first time, but as soon as it clicks, like, oh yeah, Al does have an O, I'm outside. Um, Al's a bird, it's a three down front. So we try to make it simple. Like we don't use any, we, there's no Nick Saban terminology in our defense. There's no Brett Venables. Like it is things we've created ourselves to make it put it in categories that we don't confuse the kids and we don't break the rules. Mm-hmm. 
That's really neat, actually. And and I, I even can get that. And I'm not even a D-line guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got well, it. I got it. We say uh, toucan to go inside the tackle. So that toucan's a bird. Like sometimes it's a, <laughs> because there's, you know, some animal they've never even heard of. Like we had an albatross one time. That's a bird that starts with an A. We used to call the tailback an A in our system. So they had to set the front to the, the albatross. But golfers kind of got that. Uh, but if you have no kids that have ever golfed before, then... Might take a minute. Tough Tough sell. (laughs) No, that's awesome. I appreciate you highlighting that because I know in football it's you know it can be difficult when you're the inventor of of a new style. You know, I I know there can be a lot of pushback, um, and I know it's it it takes a lot of confidence to be like, you know what, I I I believe in this. I'm going to run with it, whether you like it or not. You know, this is the way we're going to do it, and I think that's that's pretty awesome. And you know, Coach, I, you know, we highlighted COVID-19, and you know, I'm sure that was a lot of adversity throughout that and uh, a lot of tough days, tough hours, tough practices um, that having to go through. But you know, our mantra here at the podcast is hashtag drive. Drive is an acronym, and it's determination, rigor, inspiration, victory, and excellence. And it's kind of our way of guiding you know, ourselves, whoever's listening, uh, through adversity and through tough times and kind of finding your drive to keep going. And you know, we ask every guest this, and I think it's probably my favorite part of any uh, conversation we have is... In, in in your entire life, and it could be in your football career, um, or in your young life, or you know, it could be even COVID this COVID nineteen season. Um, what has been the biggest adversity you faced, and you know, more importantly, how did you overcome that adversity, and what did you do to learn from it and um, move forward from it? I know a lot of times adversity is one thing, but how we overcome it is such a big part of it. So um, if you don't mind, highlight, you know, one of those moments and, and how you got through that. Yeah. Um, so when I was a high school senior and uh, we were getting ready, I was go, getting ready to go play college football. Uh, my father actually passed away and the summer going in, it was kind of sudden and, 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 and all that crazy stuff. And we actually had his funeral and I drove up to Monmouth College that day after the funeral and started football camp. And that was kind of my therapy of, you know, and that's what I, I love this game of football because that helped me through one of the toughest times of my life. And it was just lining up, going to work and, and doing the best I could. And I'll never forget, you know, that that therapy and then my teammates and, and none of those really kids knew the coaches knew. But they didn't treat me different. They weren't like, oh, Nick, you know, you got your butt kicked there. Like it was, you know, they were hard on me. Hey, you got to rip into the B gap. You got to do that. So I think that was one of the biggest things where, hey, you you lose someone you love. But that same day that you put that guy in the ground, you you go and you, you start your job, you know, and in this case, I was a player. You go up there and you work your butt off and you go for your goals. So I think that's one thing is, man. The game of football, there's going to be so much failure, all right? There's obviously, hopefully, a lot of success if you're a good player or your team's good, but it teaches you how to fail. But I love the football coaches that you bounce back. Whether you got beat by 50 or you won by 20, um, I feel like you learn more lessons when you get beat by 50 than when you win, win by 20. But that that if you play on Friday, if you meet on that Saturday, that Sunday, it's, uh, hey, we're moving on. There's a new opponent. There's something to that in this game that teaches you for the rest of your life that, man, you may get fired from your job, but don't soak it in. The next day, attack it. Or, you know, something didn't go right and you thought you were going to get a promotion, all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, just got to keep working. And I think that's something this game really teaches. And I think that um, learning it as an 18-year-old, um, I think, has helped me for the rest of my career. I, that's awesome. I appreciate you highlighting that. And it's so true. Football is a game of life. I tell that, you know, it's the ultimate team sport and it, and it teaches you life indirectly, directly. I mean, you get knocked down, you got to get back up next play, you know, and that's, that's life, you know, and like you said, you said it perfectly. If you let those bad things soak in, it just, it snowballs. And so you just got to, just like football, you got to get up, get ready for the next play. And so, um, that's incredible. I, I, and that's so it's so it's so amazing that you brought up football and therapy and how therapeutic it can be because when you think of football, tough man sport, crazy <laughs> guys running around, button heads, you know, and um, you don't really think about th- therapy. Seems like such a peaceful um, feeling, and you know, and it's so true. Um, a coach, player, no matter what it is, when you're out on that field, I mean, any of your problems kind of just wash away. You feel like when you're really passionate and bought in. Um, 
Coach, you you highlighted Coach Brian White. I'm sure he's a big mentor to you um, throughout your career and and life in general. Um, I wanted you to go into some of the other mentors in your life and uh, mentors, leaders, um, you know, whether you knew them or watched them from afar, admired them from afar. Um, Who are some of the mentors that you looked up to and and what do they teach you? Yeah, so um, kind of my first in, in the coaching world, uh, Joshua Molka. He was our defensive coordinator at Ottawa. He's now a head high school coach out in, in Kansas. And I think I learned more about just life and how to run a program more than X's own. He was a great coach, all right? I'm not trying to say that. Like, we were on the cutting edge of scheme and all that stuff. But he taught me how to treat players. He taught me how to think, you know, and I had this liberal arts education, but when you're out in Kansas, sometimes it's ultra conservative and everyone thinks it's old school. And he was a political science major at Kansas. And he kind of, for that area, was the guy that thought outside the box. So you get two guys like that together that are kind of thinking outside the box and everyone else is super ultra conservative. Um, I thought that was special. And, and we learned more things about, you know, don't do it just because everyone else does something like um, we'd go down and, and meet with different people. And we met with John Levra, which was a Pitt state connection with him. And he's one of the best defensive line minds in, in the history of the football. And uh, we got done with the meeting and he's like, you probably learned a lot of great stuff. Some things are going to fit for us and, and some things aren't. Um, and, and that's up to you to decide and to learn and you'll learn by failure and different things. So he's one of the greatest influences of me being like, you know, don't ever not do something because you think it's too hard or you think it's too expensive. Like, Oh, we can't play this coverage because it's too expensive. Well, it's, it's a challenge for you as a coach. Can you teach it? Um, and if the kids don't get it, you failed as a coach. Um, so those are things that I always, um, will evaluate. And then yeah, Brian white, who's taught me everything I know about offense. Um, I just texted him actually yesterday. Hey, what would you do to this front? And, um, he, he responded back and I'm like, yep, that's what I'd want because that's what I figured. And you're a great O-line coach. I think one of the best in the country and one of the best offensive minds in the country. You've been around three division one programs and uh, to have those resources at your hand to kind of remind you um, that there is more to X's and O's and, and different things. It's how you treat people and different things. So I think those have been the biggest two mentors, obviously coach. Sokol giving me a chance, giving a running backs coach, a chance to coordinate a defense. Um, has been huge and, and teach me um, how to handle high academic kids because I didn't know anything about recruiting high academic kids. So um, I think there's outside mentors that scheme and, and different things. But at the end of the day, like you don't know every second of your life. Like I think you need a mentor that you've seen them live it and do it. Um, so I think that's good. It, coach, I, I want to clarify. Is this the coach Brian White that's the running backs coach at Colorado State? No. So there's like 18 Brian Whites in the country. I thought so. (laughs) He's the offensive line coach at uh, Hampton out in in, uh, uh, Virginia. Okay. Okay. That's good. I'm glad I clarified. He always gets confused by that guy. So (laughs) if he hears this, he'll be fired up. Sorry, Coach White. I knew it was you the whole time. Oh, are you Brian White from Colorado State? <laughs> I knew it was you the whole time, Coach White. I, I you know, I knew. Um, no, Maybe we can get Coach White on in the future. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Hopefully, right? <laughs> um, Coach, I got one more for you, and it kind of, okay. you know, this is um, th- this kind of came to me as we were discussing as a as a coach for a smaller program in the country. You know, a lot of us. I went to, me, me and Coach Chaddock, we went to a, the AFCA convention last year, and we're around, man, so many coaches. I'd never been around so many coaches in my life, and it was just amazing to really see how many people are in this profession and at, at so many different levels. What is your advice for a young player, a young a young high school coach, you know, a kid in college that wants that as aspiring to become a coach. You know, a lot of us are like, you know, I'm going to be the coach at a D1 school big time. And, and, and you've obviously just, you have a love for the game and you have a passion for it. So obviously, you know, D1 may be a big goal for you, but in the end you want to coach football and, and it doesn't matter where you're at for the most part. So what is your advice for a young kid wanting to kind of reach, get to that college football profession and, and want to reach that goal? Cause I know it's difficult and I know it's competitive and, and a lot of kids don't necessarily know how to get there. And so I want you to, if you don't mind, give your best piece of advice to a kid uh, kind of interested in that. Yeah. So I think the biggest things you got to work your butt off. 
Um, you got to be willing to take any task. You got to be the ultimate um, right-hand man for the head coach. Um, at the end of the day, um, obviously, Coach Sokol thought that I had the direction of the program best at heart. And he was, you know, felt comfortable with promoting me to the job because I worked hard and I'd do whatever he asked. Like, you got to be ultimately loyal. And I think that's the biggest thing. And as you're loyal, you're working your butt off to get to that next opportunity. And then a lot of people say it's about who you know, which there's definitely a lot of truth to that. Um, I didn't have a lot of football connections. I went to a school, Monmouth College, that wasn't producing college football coaches every single year. Every coach I had stayed at Monmouth College for 10 years until our head coach, uh, Steve Bell, actually went to Augustana and kind of split up the staff a little bit. But I didn't have a a ton of college connections um, out there in in the world. So you work your butt off, you try to make those. And I think it's a little bit about who knows you. Um, Five years ago, no one knew Nick Davis or spread defense. But I think now there's a lot more people that know me, which has helped. Um, So you get out there and and you market yourself, you market your program. I think those are things that I've done well, that a lot of people know Rose Holman football because of the good word of mouth um, that we've tried to spread. And a lot of people know about the spread defense and me because I've spread it out there. If I just kept it to myself, uh, no one would know it. So I've made so many connections in this profession because I put myself out there and I'm actually a pretty shy person that doesn't like to like go out of my comfort zone. And you'd probably think, Oh, this is crazy. But this college football profession has made me to be outgoing, to do these things where I got to get out and I got to go talk in front of thousands of people or, you know, if you're at a clinic or something, 30 people in the background, um, that, um, I think is a special, unique opportunity. And I think that's, what's cool about what you guys are doing. Um, you're getting, you know, not only great coaches across the country out there, you're getting yourself out there and out there. So I think that's, that's huge that people got to know who you are. And then you then as that coach need to take that relationship and build on it. Um, because at the end of the day, it's, Someone's going to promote you or give you a job because you work hard and someone else refers you. So I think those are the big things. If you're lazy and you, you, you know, you're always dreaming and scheming, but you're never doing anything. I think it's going to be tough in this profession. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm sure it's the same thing with recruiting. I'm sure for kids out of high school, I'm sure you would suggest kids to put themselves out there. I think a lot of times in high school, kids are expecting schools to come to them whereas it's the opposite and I think you highlighted that even for a player wanting to play college ball is you got to get yourself out there you got to step out of your comfort zone and you got to you know kind of sell yourself a little bit and uh, it's so true to what you're speaking I think it goes for if you want to be a coach you got to be a servant leader and and loyal and I think it's the same thing it's it's all about putting yourself out there and getting out of your comfort zone so I'm glad you highlighted that coach do you have something to add coach Chaddock yeah I was gonna say one of the things I really like that you highlighted though is earlier you highlighted failure as a part of our learning process and putting ourselves out there and not being afraid of that, that we have to take chances. And then I love how you just wrapped it all together by saying, we've got to go work our butt off if we want to get advancement. Because we live in such a microwave society now where people just think, hey, I put together this one little clip. I'm going to put it on YouTube or I'm going to put it on Twitter or I'm going to put it on Instagram. I'm going to, I'm going to be an instant sensation and I'm going to make millions of dollars. Or, hey, you know something? I did awesome for you for a month. Don't I deserve to be a D1 running back coach now? <laughs> and that's just not how it works. And I really like how you've been able to highlight not only the hard work it takes, what that hard work got you. Because you didn't all of a sudden become the defensive coordinator an assistant head coach that took a lot of work and a lot of effort over years, not just this instant um, society that we live in today. So I really appreciate you bringing that to the table because we preach it all the time. And you know, this as well as we do when kids or coaches hear the same thing from us all the time, sometimes it, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's just coach saying that he always says that. No, no, no. Coach Davis says it too. (laughs) It's for real now. Well, I think I I didn't really highlight it, but you got to treat people good too. Like obviously uh, as a coordinator and the assistant head coach, sometimes there's a fine line of how do you, you know, how are you hard on someone, Mm -hmm. 
but then how do you love them after that? Like I always, I, I don't know. Like, and I think every, you got to figure every person's a little different. Everyone responds a little differently. And that's something I've struggled with. Like, how can I treat this kid to get him to respond? Can I be harder on him than another kid or a coach or, or different things like that? But at the end of the day, knowing that they care about you, um, that's obviously mm-hmm. the biggest thing. And um, you can only show that you care about somebody by actually showing that you care about them. Yeah. hundred percent. Coach, you highlighted so many great things and, you know, we want to let you get back to your busy schedule. You got a season to prepare for. Uh, you got and, and a lot of us are sitting here saying season's over. We got schools out there getting ready to play football. So coach Nick Davis, we appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Good luck this season. Uh, go get them out in the field, hit hard, play, play crazy, run around like a bunch of madmen out there and uh, go get some W's and really appreciate you taking the time out here. Thanks for having me. And if anyone ever wants to get a hold of me, reach out to me. I'll get back to you and uh, I'll get you anything you need. Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. That's Come awesome. Back anytime. Thank you, Coach. Again, a big thank you to Coach Nick Davis from Rose Holman. What a what an eye opening talk! And man, did we cover so many different topics there, uh, Coach Chaddock? We'll start with you. What 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 kind of what are your takes from that interview? You know, coach, I, t- I took a lot out of it and it was, it was awesome. The fact that we jumped in and out of so many different things, uh, talking ball a little bit was great. And hearing, hearing some scheme from him, both, uh, what, what he experienced offensively and then what he's been able to institute defensively. And then of course here, here in the background to the spread defense, that was really neat. Uh, I, I just think, I think that you really alluded to it about, the, the way you kind of put yourself out there and jump into something like that when it's different than what most people are talking about or doing. And I think that that was a really good take on, uh, you know, even coach Davis saying, Hey, sometimes we just got to put ourselves out there and you know, it's a, yeah, sure. There's going to be critics. There's always going to be critics. And, you know, we're going to find those people though, that really believe in it and they're going to join with us. And they're going to institute what they feel is appropriate for their program. And I think it's been great the way he's been able to influence other coaches because that that's a big deal. How, how can we learn from each other? How can we be a coaching network together and learn from each other? And conversely, how can we then figure out how to incorporate something into our own offense, defense, special teams, or leadership philosophy? And that's really what coaching is about. It's about a network of people working together. It's about what the leadership world is about. I mean, there is a reason people have, or I should say even organizations have coaches like PJ Fleck come in, coaches like James Franklin, coaches like Urban Meyer, coaches like Nick Saban. They have them come in and talk to their organizations for a reason. No one's going to reinvent the wheel. Let's just learn from these guys and see what they're doing that they're finding success with and see what can then be brought into our program. So I thought Coach Davis did a great job of influencing us with that. Uh, Coach, the other thing that stood out to me, uh, kind of twofold, one was the story of his father and with his father's you know, uh, passing and you know he's about to embark on his his next experience, the next chapter of his life. And now he's almost you're almost doubling that next chapter. Now, the fact that you, you've lost your father and you're moving to a, to a, you know, a new realm of football. And he talked about how he took off to that and was able to uh, immerse himself into it, find his drive to keep going and to be successful and to really work hard and I thought that was incredible when he, when he talks about, Hey, it's time to work. And he alluded to this in a, in a couple different facets. It wasn't just that piece. It was about the working hard, the taking the opportunity that's there, uh, being, being out there with the other players and the other coaches. That's a huge, that's a huge thing to what we do. You know, when you have the opportunity to positively influence other people and to be a leader of other people, it is incredible what we can do. It's incredible the feeling that we can get from it. I, there's nothing I enjoy more than watching someone else improve and knowing that I had a part in that or watching someone get a victory. Hey, they finished that assignment or they, or they did great in this game or they got this project done at work. Mm-hmm. And to see that victory from them, that's, that's all, the, all the 
all that I need to see in the course of a day. It just, it gives me so much energy. Uh, that is really my motivation at work is, is building others. And, you know, to hear, uh, to hear a coach go through that from his personal experience. And then now as a coach and also the last piece was really talking about flexibility and being, being able to adapt to a changing time. And he talked about this in his coaching world that, you know, he thought he was about to go in and be a D line coach and he's going to be the best D line coach in the country. And next thing you know, it's, Hey, can you be the running back coach? Or it's, can you be the safeties coach? Oh, I thought it was going to be D line. Uh, can you be the safeties coach? I'm going to teach you the back end of the operation. <laughs> and I, the reason, and we talked about it with him. The reason that stands out to me so much is I think about how much complaining goes on the BCD, BCD, blame, complain, defend. And in this particular case, more of the complaining, well, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Think about how many people these days growing up get into a complain mode of, well, well, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be um, working at the, the pizza island. I wanted to be working on the stove and making, making the other food in the restaurant. Or I, di- I didn't want to be the greeter at the door. I wanted to be the server because I can make more money there. Right. Maybe not realizing, okay, well, you've never served a plate before and you've literally never talked to anybody before. <laughs> right. you've, only, you've only been on a DM chat room before. Mm-hmm. You have no interpersonal communication skills face-to-face. Learn these first by being a greeter. And, you know, you know, I'm, and I know I'm going outlandish here with some of the examples. It's just one of those things where he talks about having the flexibility and the willingness to learn, because I think that is one thing our society has dramatically lost is that willingness to learn. And the other thing that is a huge impact is the desire to want to compete and to really challenge ourselves and to make that push to truly get better and learn a craft and then continue to advance and I think he really epitomizes that he was able to overcome. He was able to learn different skills, which have now helped him as a defensive coordinator. And he's gained the leadership. He talked about not being a very outgoing person. And I mean, I never would have, I never would have guessed that he has, you know, been very outgoing with us. I never would have guessed that he wasn't just this naturally outgoing person who was um, able to add flair to a meeting as he talked about make a meeting a little bit more exciting because you're on the computer and you got to figure out a way to get them fired up and having the cameras on huge impact having the cameras on i know i always the first thing i do is when we get in the meetings everybody turn your camera on let's be present let's be here take a deep breath and and let's be together and, and all of these things and i even i'm even going on as many different little runs as what we went on during the course of of the interview. I I loved it. It was really impactful to me. And, and, you know, listeners, you're why we're here Uh, for us to learn and for you to learn. I hope you're gaining as much out of this conversation. There was, you know, a little bit of X's and O's in there, a little bit of how to teach kids, um, leadership skills, talking about some adversity and also talking about a drive and having a drive to get through that wall and to get somewhere and to be special. Uh, And that was really impactful to me, coach. How about you? What were you, what were you getting out of today? Uh, you know, coach, I mean, you highlighted so many things I, and, and I'm glad you did because it, you know, you, you said it perfectly. I mean, every, everything you listed out is exactly what I kind of took from it, but I just want to highlight one specific aspect of it. And it's, it's the idea of the grind through the passion, um, you know, it, it is really easy, and I'm a, a, a guilty of doing this growing up. I'm still guilty of doing this as I continue to grow up, you know, and and um, it, it's, it's understanding that, look, I have a passion, and it's going to take work to get there. Now, it's my passion, and I love doing it, and I love spending all my time on it, and it's, it, it's, it's what I love to do. 
But I think what people get over eager about is the idea again. And I feel like I always end up back at this aspect of drive. And it's the expectation, the inevitability of what is to occur on honestly the negative side and being ready for those things. Even when you're in a profession that is your passion. And that is something I've set out as a goal personally is look, I'm not, I want to, my career is going to be something that I'm in love with. I have to understand that there's going to be moments in there that, it's not that fun. And I, you know, I'm not, I don't necessarily question my passion, but it's, it's difficult. And, but it's part of the process of getting where I need to be. For instance, you, know, uh, you could say, for, for personally, I'll speak from personal experience here. I'm back in school. Part of that is because I've found a passion and I'm growing in that passion and it is a profession. It is my career. And I've grown over the past four years. I've, I've, I've grown in a role. I've, I've found a new opportunity. I found a new organization. And I, or I grew within the organization I was currently in, whatever it is. And it was going great. I mean, man, I was feeling good. But then I realized, man, I'm not, I don't know if I'm getting necessarily compensated for, what, for all the work that I'm doing properly. And that could be because, man, I'm not, I don't have the proper degrees to, to, to follow my name. And school and I have never necessarily gotten along, ever. Um, and it's still a process. You know, I found I found my skills elsewhere. You You're know? not BFFs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, I never, I, I I wasted time when I was in college, when I was in actual quote unquote college age. You know, I wasted time. I didn't go to class. I didn't care. And 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 I, but I understand the value of it now. Now, even though school, even though I've made so many strides in the field for what I want to do as a career, you know, I don't. The school's not necessarily going to make me who I am, but it's going to boost part of my character. It's going to boost, uh, honestly, how people look at me from afar. And I think it boosts pers- my personal knowledge, my personal ability to learn something new. Now, is it fun? Not necessarily. Is it fun being almost closer to 30 and being in a class with a bunch of 20-year-olds and standing out like that? No, it's not always the most fun. But hey, it's part of the grind. And I find I find value out of it and I find the positive out of it. Hey, look, it's school. I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to, I'm going to learn something out of it. I'm going to try and, and learn something new, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be better. This is a good time for me to organize, plan, get on top of my stuff. Those are all life skills. Those are all life skills. And I just, it's, it's finding the grind, the understanding the grind through the passion. We all want to do what we love, but there's going to be times, you know, that, that we don't want to, my, you know, my, for instance, we, my girlfriend wants to be a, a veterinarian. Okay. It, it sounds fun on the outside. You're with animals, you love animals, but that grind is difficult. You have to go through a lot of school and a lot of that discussion with me and her go back and forth of, of, you know, it, how how much work it actually takes and how much in, how interesting it is from the outside and how everyone could sit there and be like, yeah, I'm going to be a vet. But it's, they don't understand that it takes so many more extra years of schooling and you have to really, it's, it's a hard program. It's not easy. You're dealing with the life and death of animals, you know, the, the liveliness of, of animals. And, it, but, but, the, but she's passionate about it. So she has to find that grind through the passion to get to the end. The passion is, is, is all lean back like you're on vacation once you get through the process. But it's okay. It, it, it's okay to have struggles. It's okay to you know, be in a rut when you're going through that grind. But it's, under, it's not to sit back and be like, man, I thought this was going to be easy. I love coaching football. I thought this was going to be easy. I thought this was going to be fun all the time. It's not, no matter what you end up doing. And I think Coach, Coach Nick Davis really emphasized that you know, in that story where he talks about D-line coach. And then all of a sudden, man, I have to switch and I have to learn. Well, I'm passionate about one thing, and it's not necessarily D-line. It's about coaching football. And I'm going to learn that. And, and I'm sure it was difficult. My goodness, going from offense to defense. I mean, when you're at that type of level, you are very structured into learning that one side. You don't really look at the other side. If you're, if you're intuitive enough to kind of grasp both ends, more power to you. But when you're an offensive coach, you focus on offense. When you're a defensive coach, you focus on defense. And to be switched around like that, it's not. And to be successful, not difficult. Uh, props to him for for creating something new in a game where it just seems like, you know, it's it's tough to be the one person to bring something new, you know, to, to 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 be that person to have take the risk and be like, you know what, I'm gonna ride with it. And if anyone wants to follow me, cool. If anyone doesn't. Cool. Either way, I believe in this, and that's all that matters. And if you believe in it hard enough, then people will follow. And he didn't look at approval 
from other from his from his peers. He didn't necessarily look for approval from other universities. He's not looking for approval from Nick Saban. You know, he's just trying to be the best that he can where he is in his spot. I think Nick Davis, what a great guest it was to have Coach Davis on. Um, he really opened our eyes to kind of how we live our lives, Coach. It's, it's, it's a, doing a bunch of multiple different things at once. I can think of seven different things that I got my hands dipped into pretty heavily. And not many people can do that. And it's not because I was born that way. It's because I've developed habits that I'm able to do those things. Um, it's nothing special. I'm not, you know, we're not, we're not be special human beings. I was born special. Um, you know, we understand what it, what we love, what our passion is. We understand the grind through the passion and understand that it, it, it takes time. And it's not going to happen overnight. And we want to develop multiple different skills. Um, it's it's it being flexible. Another thing, it's calling an audible. That's a perfect football term for it. It's oh my god, the linebackers come and I got to switch. I got to switch to a play action. Whatever the heck it is, in the middle of the moment with seconds remaining, football's the game of life. And I think him being flexible with his life, coming from a football background, it blends perfectly. But we have to be able to grind through that passion um, and open up a little bit and 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 be comfortable with the uncomfortable. You have to be. That's life. That's life. And I know sometimes it things like, man, Coach P, you always are bringing up negatives. Well, I, I just feel like we shove them aside too much that I just need to – I, I want to bring it back to under, make people understand, hey, they're gonna, it's going to happen. How are we going to deal with it? It's going to happen. How are we going to deal with it? It's easy to handle the good. It's easy to be a, a winner, right? But how are you when you're a loser? How are you when you are at the bottom, rock bottom? How are you when you've lost this, get, this game's week? How are you when you failed a grade on a test? How are you when you got that rejection letter from a university? How are you going to react and come back from stuff like that? That's, that's, those are the good habits that I feel like a lot of times lately in our society, we've, we've lost that. We, if, when something bad happens, we, we just forget. We try to forget about it instead of handle it. Um, this, moving on does not mean forget about it. Moving on means I've handled it and I'm good with it when it ever comes up again. So, I mean, I could go on and on, but I mean, coach, what a, what a great, conversation we had with coach Nick Davis, you know, from a D three university, um, out there in Indiana. I mean, just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was a, it was almost a, a hidden gem that we found him and, and he really epitomized what we, you know, we got to talk football, which he hadn't been able to do in a while. Um, and we also, you know, I think we talked about a, a numerous sort of things, which almost encompasses our previous episodes from last year, almost last year, those episodes, everything put together is kind of what we talked about with coach Nick Davis. It was an honor to have him on. Um, it was fun. I mean, it was, it was great. And, and, and I, I'm glad that he understands what we're trying to do here too, is build that community and collaboration together. Um, he was very open with coming on. I think that shows that he's, he wants to help. He, he understands that it's not just a problem necessarily in our backyards. It's a problem with coaching collaboration and, and communities coming together. It, hap- it happens all over the place, no matter where you are, you know? So, uh, I went on a little rant there myself, but I mean, it's, it's it awesome to have coach Nick Davis on and, um, coach any, any, any final thoughts? I have a huge final thought here. There's no shortcuts to success. Let me repeat that for those that might've not heard it. There are no shortcuts to success. And I think coach Davis was really able to walk us through that. And I think he epitomizes that he was able to do a lot of things. He's been able to grow and learn and, and continue to advance in his career. Um, you know, I, I see, you know, social media, social media can be a great tool. It can also be a pain in the butt all at the same time. And, you know, I, I have seen people on there, especially the young generation. I have seen people say, well, don't say we have to do something just because when you were young, you had to do it. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. You're not understanding the concept. There are certain things you have to do because they're needed to learn. They're needed to help you get to where you're trying to go. It's not all just checkpoints for fun. And I, and I think that's desperately missing in society today. And, and a little, you know, a little, a little something called working through adversity. And we, you know, the big thing we can say is, Hey, things are going to happen. And how we tackle those things, pun intended is how we're going to learn because we can't just keep running away from everything that goes on. There's adversity at work. We can't just run away and go find another job. Every time we strike adversity at work, I get adversity at work every single day. 
every single day. And worst case, if it ain't, if it's, if it's not every day, it's at least every couple days, we get some piece of adversity at work. There are no shortcuts. If there were shortcuts, coach P and I would have a Pat McAfee level podcast already. If there were shortcuts, (laughs) I mean, I'm not even kidding. We would, if there were shortcuts, there's no shortcuts. There's not. You know, you know, these YouTube sensations or, you know, my son will come in and say, hey, I, I, hey, my YouTuber said this or my YouTuber said that. You're YouTuber. <laughs> That's cute. I thought it was pretty neat. I said, yeah, we're YouTubers now, too. <laughs> we're, somebody's going to refer to us as their YouTuber. And we're teaching them along the way. There's no shortcuts. Get that out of your mind right now. And not everything is just a checkpoint to make you do something that we did when we were young. <laughs> Some of the stuff is legitimately needed. You can't just cancel everything because you think it's not needed anymore. I encourage you all to maintain that drive. Find what you're passionate about and chase it like crazy and don't let it go. And put in the work it takes to get there. That's my challenge to all of you right now. Find your drive. You got to wrap it around what you're passionate about. I'm passionate about this. So now I'm going to focus on my drive to help me get there to achieve my passion. And I know that it's going to be a journey. I know it's not going to happen overnight. I'm going to have to be flexible. I'm going to have to overcome adversity during that course. And I'm going to have to be willing to put in the time it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. Just like Coach Davis did. And look, look how successful he is now. He's doing great things. He's helping student athletes become better athletes and more importantly, better students and even more importantly, better men to now put into society. Amen to you, Coach Davis, and what you're doing. And thanks for helping make us better coaches today as well. Another fantastic addition for us here in, in our studios for the for the la- latest interview with Coach Nick Davis. Big shout out to Coach Nick Davis for joining us. Um, the fighting engineers, you know, wish you good luck this season. You know, I'm not going to say I'm jinxing it because he said it already, but he said he's never had a losing season in his life. I wish you good luck this season on continuing that uh, that streak, Coach. You know, wish you all the best, and I hope you continue that streak of not having a losing season. You keep that winning record streak alive. Um, check us out on YouTube. Find out our find our brand new YouTube channel for all of our latest interviews. We have two up there right now. You will find every single interview from 2021 on to the end of time on um on our youtube channel so be sure to go on there throw a comment subscribe the button is free doesn't do anything but just show us some support so click that subscribe button um you know where to find us audio wise apple podcast spotify google podcast soundcloud wherever you listen to your major podcast share us with a friend tell a friend to listen to the third and 30 if they need some motivation if they're in a rut they don't know where life is going for them say hey Check out the Third and Thirty podcast. They'll get you where you need to go. Um, thank you to Coach Nick Davis. Thank you to our listener. Thank you, Coach Chaddock. Every time is a a new blessing to be on the on the show with you and and to be able to um, share these experiences with you and pass this information along to our listeners with you as well. It's it's a it's a blessing. It's an honor. Every time I tell people that we've never been in the studio together, that's when they understand how much our passion is for what we do here. Um, we have not one been in the same studio while doing this show. It may never be that way. Who knows? Um, but you know, either way, that's not why we do this. We do this so we can share with our audiences um, the the power of a good motivational story, a good leadership, good coaching, uh, good all the way around. So thank you, Coach Chaddock, for what you do. Um, looking forward to um, – I have to mention real quick, I am very jealous you got to go to a live basketball game out there in Cleveland. I'm gonna, And you saw the Brooklyn Nets, no less, the brand-new Brooklyn Nets. But shout-out to you because I, have, I can't remember the last time I went to a live sporting event besides the games that I coach. Um, so props to you. Hope it was a great time out there in, the, in Cleveland. I mean, what a heck of a game. The Cavs upset the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. But how cool is that? Hopefully we're getting to back to some normalcy here, uh, being able to check out some live games, huh? That was my daughter's first Cavs game. What a game to go to. It was Oh pretty, my goodness, we had so much fun. Amazing times and um it's it's hopefully yeah, we're moving towards 
sellout stadiums once again. But either way, uh, appreciate you, Coach. Appreciate you, Coach Nick Davis. Check us out, YouTube, uh, for the videos. You know where to check us out for audio. Check us out on social media at 3rd and 30 Podcast. If you want to drop us a line, check out when latest episodes are happening. Check us out on social media. But um, my name is Coach Praveen Manchapagata. That is Coach Jason Chaddock. And this is the 3rd and 30 Podcast.